You're listening to episode 87 of Chirps, a St. Louis Cardinals podcast for Birds on the Black. I'm Tara. He's Alex. The Cardinals are playing eight games in five days and bringing a lot of new faces along for the ride. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show after an unplanned off week for us, thanks to, well, basically a waterless hurricane that swept through Iowa and took my power with it for a number of days that kept me from being able to do anything as it pertains to podcasts. But we're back. Alex is back. And Alex Baseball is back in a very aggressive way with the Cardinals trying to play eight games in five days and doing so in Chicago with a bunch of people no one's ever heard of before and double headers and everyone driving their own car. And can any piece of this be, is any one piece of this more weird than the, than the others? (laughs) Well, what's weird for me is the fact that I've seen players who I've never heard of suiting up for the Cardinals. Um, and I haven't seen Jack Flaherty yet. And I'm sure there's a good mm-hmm. reason for that, but I don't know what that reason is. I'm sure it has to do with his workouts and stuff like that. But why have I not seen Jack Flaherty pitch yet? It's so strange to think about that in the context of the importance of these games and the strain on the pitching and all of those things. I mean, he was the first one to go. So his layoff has actually been longer than everyone else's. And they keep talking about that as far as making sure that, you know, they don't jump into his routine in a way that's going to be problematic. And, you know, I think we've all talked about this, not only in relation to the Cardinals in coming back like this, but just the way this season happened, that guys are going to get hurt and it's going to not always be pretty. So I think they're trying to be really proactive, but it does make for a weird scenario when your ace still has not pitched in either of the first two series out of the gate. And he is scheduled to pitch the first game on Wednesday, so we'll see Jack Flaherty then. But definitely one of many, many strange things as baseball has returned to Cardinals fans this week. Yeah, I will say uh, one thing I'm excited about is I think this is the first time all year where we've recorded an episode where there is an actual real-life game going on. You know, we did one episode where they were, like, playing each other, but that didn't count. Right. Uh, but now we have a real life <laughs> game and there's like a uh, a pretty solid hair battle going on right now between Darvish yes. and I'm Pop glad Blue you brought Alvarez. that up. I, I don't know because I know I've seen one game this year where Darvish pitched, but it was kind of on in the background. I didn't notice he had this going on. It's a, it's a, it's a good look for him. Uh, and, you know, Ponce Leon has his own thing. He has his own thing going. Um, so, yeah, I. I, I like Ponce's. I like Ponce's look a lot. I li- also like the fact that he's striking out a lot. He's, he struck out the yeah. side, I believe, in the in the top of the bottom of the first. Where he's Ray, he's pitched pretty well so far. Yeah. Maybe maybe the hair has special powers. It is the middle of the third. If you are wondering what we're watching, and if Alex reacts and I don't, <laughs> it's because I'm watching on a stream that is like three pitches delayed. So I'll get there eventually, just maybe not immediately. But yeah, Ponce has looked good uh, from a hair standpoint as well as from a pitching standpoint. It's funny I hadn't really thought about the similar kind of style going on between Darvish and and Ponce until I saw them back to back, and I went, oh. There's a lot of hair going on in this game today, which, uh, as 
many people listening will probably know uh, is something I tend to pay attention to just as a person with lots of hair. Uh, I, I, Bring that up about John Gant every time I possibly can, because <laughs> that man has a very impressive head of hair. But besides the hair, yes, Ponce throwing well, Darvish keeping the Cardinals off balance so far, which isn't super surprising. But what has surprised you, Alex, in this gauntlet so far of playing a doubleheader and then a single game against the White Sox and then moving right into what will eventually be two doubleheaders plus a game in the middle for the Cardinals and the Cubs. So I don't know if I should say this out loud, uh, let alone <laughs> on a podcast that's about to be uh, broadcast to whoever listens, but I was surprised at how much I liked a seven-inning baseball game. <laughs> uh, and now that I'm watching a nine-inning baseball game, I feel as though this is going to take forever. I... Let me be clear, I don't want to see seven-inning baseball games again after this season, but it was kind of nice. Now, the second game of yesterday's doubleheader, not so much, because you felt like, well, shoot, (laughs) if we had two innings left, maybe we could get those runs back. Um, So, not nice from that standpoint, but nice from a, okay, I have a two-hour and, you know, 20-minute commitment here. I can absolutely do that. You know what's wild is I was sitting down to watch the game tonight and it was (laughs) the sort of tricks that the seven inning versus nine inning thing plays on on your mind. I sat down to watch one nine inning game and felt like, oh, this is going to take so long. (laughs) And I just watched how many, (laughs) you know, two double headers where they played seven innings in, you know, the three days prior or whatever. So I was laughing at myself for feeling like this one nine inning game was going to take so long when I spent like four hours watching baseball yesterday. Yeah, I should be clear. (laughs) Two hour, 20 minute commitment. That's just for one of the games. But (laughs) there's something about knowing like, you know, you're going to have an outcome after that time and then they're going to move on to another game um, that I found kind of pleasing i don't know what what did you find what have you found surprising about or just the fact that we're even playing is that, <laughs> is that yes um no i i think that the seven inning doubleheaders were a pleasant surprise in the sense that oh this actually this actually seems to work pretty well in a strange sort of everything is weird but this isn't terrible kind of way um so i didn't mind that i think that it's what's wild to me is how the Cardinals are having to do all of this, whether it's like seven debuts in two days or it's, you know, guys going out there that you've never heard of getting key outs in a division race against the Chicago Cubs, or if it's Brad Miller suddenly becoming like folk hero (laughs) as it relates to the Cubs Cardinals rivalry. And, you know, we hadn't really seen Brad Miller at all to this point and had no idea what to truly expect of him. So I think the surprise factor for me has been the mess and the chaos that this has been has actually not felt that chaotic. It's Ooh. it's almost felt Sorry. very, <laughs> I'll see it in three pitches. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's almost felt far more controlled and um, in some sense manageable than I thought it would. And granted, there may be, you know, 
lingering after effects for a week or so to come as they get through this first stretch. But uh, I don't know, even with all of the new faces, all the new names, all the crazy things, it hasn't felt like complete chaos to me, which is surprising, I guess. Yeah, it, the minute they started playing, it felt like a real game. Um, yeah. You know, and I, and I was I was back into it, I, the game with the White Sox. Um, what was that, Saturday? I don't even know. Yes. Well, okay. Um, and there it is. I, yeah, I just okay. saw it, by the way. You saw the in-half home run. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that was... Uh, the minute that left the bat, that didn't look good. And that's that's rare to say for an opposite field home run. But Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I was just about to compliment Ponce de Leon even more before that. Well, I, I will anyway. Um, before I muted the TV, because we were about to, uh, you know, record, uh, Dan McLaughlin was just, you know, talking about kind of the story you have to bring up every time Ponce de Leon pitches, which is the fact that he actually had brain surgery because of a uh, comeback mm-hmm. a line drive that, that hit him. Um, and just the fact that every time he's actually standing on the mound and pitching well, uh, I guess even when he's not pitching well, it's a, it's a cool story. I like to yeah. see it. I also like to see Anthony Rizzo striking out on a pitch that hits him, which happened the last <laughs> time he was up. Uh, yeah, I'd that's... Like to see, uh... um, that, that that is to me the fate that Anthony Rizzo deserves almost every time he steps up to the plate. Um, uh, unfortunately, it didn't happen this time. But the the oddities of the game for sure. Um, but I, I will also say I think I felt the same way or the, a similar way about seeing Alex Reyes pitch successfully, uh, seeing Rob Kaminsky make his major league debut. It's been interesting to see the stories yes, that have come I up. I want to go back. So I don't mean to interrupt, but I want to go back to him when you get a chance. No, that's fine. Okay. I, I just was going to say, it's so interesting to me the way that these stories have come up in a season that everyone kind of was in some form or another dreading because of how weird it is or how hard it was going to be, especially with the Cardinals after that long layoff and wondering how they were going to manage their pitching. And all of a sudden you've got these stories where it's like, oh, this is actually, this is really cool that he has this opportunity and is taking advantage of it. Rob Kaminsky being one of them that, uh, of course, longtime Cardinals fans will know that he was drafted by the Cardinals, ended up traded for Brandon Moss, and then kind of like floated around, was not really gaining any ground because of some injuries, and then was able to sign a non-roster as a non-roster invitee to, for the Cardinals this year and came out of the shutdown of spring training to make it to the satellite camp and then in this whole mess... <laughs> Got the uh, got the call and has pitched a couple of times and looked pretty good. Yes, yeah, so I remember when he was in their system, and I, I don't subscribe to any of like the pro- the big prospects things, whether it's Baseball America or um, ESPN Insider with Keith mm-hmm. Law, uh, any of that stuff. So I, I was basically, you know, I, I I was reading a lot of the information that a lot of other people were reading. You know, I didn't have any insider stuff on Rob Kaminsky, of course. Um, but I remember being excited about him just based on uh, what what everyone was saying. And when they traded him for Brandon Moss, uh, the consensus seemed to be like, what are the Cardinals doing? Uh, yeah. And, and I, I think Keith Law, uh, who, who I just brought up, I remember him that day on Twitter really just going after the Cardinals. Um, and then he kind of sputtered with Cleveland while Brandon Moss, um, until he had that colossal slump to basically end his part. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yes. Uh, yeah. Like 
just could not do anything. But he was a pretty productive cardinal. And I, I even wrote like an article, one of those articles that didn't really need to be written, but you, I, ha- I was scheduled to write, so I had to write something for Viva Alberto's that I think was the Cardinals won the Brandon Moss trade or the yeah. Rob Kaminsky, whatever. Um, again, not the most important stuff in the world, but <laughs> something had to be written. And it was at that point pretty much true and is probably, well, it's especially true now that Rob Kaminsky is back with the Cardinals and never made a debut with anyone else. But I had almost forgotten that he was, that he had signed that non-roster invite. And to see him make his debut after all those years, because I believe he was drafted in, what, 2013? Does that sound uh, like? I think so, yeah. Or 2016? Whoa. I'll, I'll look it up. I, I don't remember. Hold on. Somewhere around there. He was drafted a while yeah. ago. And to see him make his debut with the Cardinals in kind of like the most backdoor fashion imaginable. And he's pitched two innings, and he has – Faced six batters, got all six of them out. I believe on all ground balls, you know. And I'm not, I'm not yeah. expecting him to be like an awesome pitcher, uh, but just the fact that, you know, I was thinking about this when uh, a couple months ago when you had when you interviewed uh, Xavier Scruggs, um, mm-hmm. who is now is he in Korea now? No, he was, and now he's back in the states and was <laughs> trying to play, and then COVID happened. Okay. So okay, but I remember thinking like. Look, his career is not gonna, it's not gonna have a, a lot of ink on like the baseball reference page, right? You know, right. but just the fact that you get to this level and you take one swing at a pitch is a huge accomplishment just right there. Yeah. Um, and I would say the same about Rob Kaminsky. The fact that at this, I mean, how old do we think, how old is Kaminsky now? He's got to be he's like 25, 26. Okay. Guess, yeah. Okay. So, you know, he's not old. Yeah. 25. But, but he's okay. 20. So he's, so he's actually younger than I thought, but he's not, he's not like, a but he's been around young. a while. Yeah. He's been yeah. around a while. Make his debut to have, um, two successful innings with the Cardinals in pretty big spots too. You yeah. know, those were, those are appearances where, you know, we wanted to keep some runs off the board and it was just a really nice to see. Uh, and if your team isn't winning, if your team isn't like going to be in the playoffs or, you know, winning the division, whatever, you could still find those moments in like these guys making their debuts. Um, that's yeah. always fun to watch. And so I've really appreciated that so far and even more so for the fact that, you know, Cardinals probably will make the playoffs since 16 teams are making the playoffs. (laughs) I'd like for them to win the division, which they still can, but yeah. Pretty cool to see that. And I'm just thinking while I'm listening to you talk about Kaminsky, that that must be John Mosellock's absolute dream come true is to trade off a prospect to get a piece that he needs and then get that prospect back before he ever makes a major league debut and then watch him be successful at the major league level. That's like, that's gotta be the ultimate win for Jumbo Zalek. <laughs> but there have been other debuts. Seth Elledge made a big impression in his uh, in his debut the other day. Uh, Roel Ramirez, not such a positive first impression. There have been some weird moments as far as the pitching is concerned where a guy was left out there kind of just to struggle and make it through. And I mean, I, we can talk about that if you want, but there's there's obviously a plan in place to get through this eight games in five days. And they're trying to stick as closely to that as possible. And also the three batter minimum comes into play there. And there are all sorts of things uh, that, that make that 
a little bit weird and complicated and easy to think that uh, there are early mistakes being made. But overall, how do you feel about the actual team that we've seen on the field? Because it's a bunch of guys that you wouldn't have seen otherwise. And now they just announced today, being Tuesday, that a number of those guys that went on the COVID IL have been cleared to resume baseball activities. So we may not see a lot of these faces for very long, but what have you thought so far from the way they've kind of made their way through this early mess getting back to play? Well, one thing I've really liked to see and obvious disclaimer that it's so early that this stuff is still very meaningless, but Paul Goldschmidt looks pretty good. Mm -hmm. And yep. that's nice to see. Colton Wong has not looked good. Yeah. Uh, but again, it's super early. The stats don't mean anything. But I do feel good about Paul Goldschmidt, you know, hitting hitting several home runs, hitting the double yesterday. Uh, I, I think he entered today with about a 150 WRC plus. If he could be close to the Paul Goldschmidt we we were hoping to get, that's huge. That's that's yeah. one of mm-hmm. you know that's a top ten player in the National League. So. So, so, so that completely changes the lineup for me. Other than that, it's just still so hard to say because it's so early. There's so the fact that we have you know right now Tommy Edmond playing shortstop and Weeders and uh, Kisner playing catch you know catching. Um, we have a lot of regulars not in there. Uh, it's just real. We we've seen what now two bullpen games since since yeah. we've been back. Um, it's just hard to say. I don't know. I, I granted. The second game last night was a bullpen game. Even so, I and I, I wasn't. I'm not the first person to make this observation. It still seemed like Schilt used a little too, like too many pitchers. Um, <laughs> uh, m- maybe too many pitchers in that if Tyler Webb is pitching, that seems like uh, one too many because he did not look good at all. Um, and you know he's coming off. Uh, you know, we've seen Tyler Webb with the Cardinals. That hasn't always been the most pleasant experience. Um, and so just piggybacked on that, it I don't know. I do think this team has the ability to win this division, though, right? Like, like this is clearly a good team. Are they a great team? I have no idea. But yeah. they should be a team that should be contending for the division, in my opinion. Now, there's so many variables going on with this year. It's so weird. Um, who knows if a week from now they'll even be playing or who knows a week from now if the team they're scheduled to play will be even able to play. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. so, Looking at you, Reds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so who knows? Uh, but they look good they, or they look good enough. They look yeah. <laughs> They look like they could be one of the 16 best teams in baseball. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that there was a part of me that felt like if they could just survive this first, you know, this first two series back in whatever, however you define that, right? Not just get absolutely demolished from a pitching standpoint or freak injuries or look like they're absolutely lost at the plate, then that was going to be some level of success getting through this first stretch just because there was no way to anticipate what it looks like coming off of a long layoff like that. But I think what I have seen is that even in the games that they lost, they didn't look like they were not competitive. And I think that is similar to what you were saying in that they look like they are a team that could be good. I don't know if they're a team that can be great, but they 
look competitive, even with all of the unfamiliar faces and all of the debuts. And look, sure, that came back to bite them in a couple of instances. And maybe they would have been more consistent offensively had you been able to put, you know, Paul DeYoung and Yadier Molina in the mix or whatever. There are a million ways to look at that. But I didn't feel like they looked completely overmatched in any one of those games. And that's a good place to start from when you have absolutely zero expectations of what they're going to be able to do with this mess that is not only the messy 2020 season, but complicated by their own situation. So I think that's been good. I think the bullpen has really been strong, except for those couple, you know, just two innings really in the last few days where it got a little ugly. But I will be curious to see Jack Flaherty get back in the mix. And when Austin Gomber is uh, able to pitch, I think he's going to make a big difference in getting, you know, allowing things to line up perhaps a bit better. And of course, Carlos Martinez, when he's back in that mix as well, although he has been cleared for baseball activities, he did share on Instagram today a, a picture that Leads me to believe he was one of the players that ended up in the emergency room for at least fluids and some level of treatment with COVID, which would be his own clarification and confirmation that he was one of the COVID positive players. So with Carlos and the history with the the asthma and some of the breathing troubles, that concerns me a little bit. So I would be very cautious to expect a whole lot um, of consistency just because we don't know what his health situation is going to be like. And obviously that's that's far more important than where he fits back into the pitching puzzle. But it's going to get weird in the next week or so when these guys start coming back and they move guys off that roster who've been successful. You're going to see some of those new faces that did a really great job who aren't going to get the chance to continue doing that great job. So is there someone in that mix that you would like to see stick around or do you just want to get the regular guys back? Oh, man, it's so hard to Putting say. Putting you on the spot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> by the way, did you see that uh, swing, Goldschmidt? That was a great piece of hitting, Goldschmidt, or that single he hit up the middle yes. a second ago. Yeah. Um, and are you on Weeders yet? No, wait, wait, who is that? Oh, that's Brad. Matt Carpenter, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Matt, oh, you There's Matt Carpenter. Oh, well, yep. Matt Carpenter. Okay, just saw Matt Carpenter. Yep. He's about to do something uh, fun, so you'll see that. Oh, I just saw that. Oh, okay. okay. Double, double yeah. down the yeah. right field line. And Brad Miller. Cool. Nobody out. No, right, Brad no Cubs killer Brad Miller <laughs> is, is up. All right, so your question. Um, I don't know. It's it's been such a small snapshot. I I, I would like to see uh, the regulars that we thought we were going into the season with um, yeah. back on a full time basis. Um, certainly, it doesn't hurt to have someone like Brad Miller, who in the past has always shown to be able to hit home runs. Um, wh- whether that's on the bench uh, or whether that's, you know, playing every other day, I don't know. Um, but in, uh, I don't know, in this, I was about to say in this uh, uh, run environment, but I haven't even looked at, like, I assume the ball is flying out of the park like it has the last yes. several years. Yeah, yeah I, I saw, like, the the uh, strikeout rate, le- the league-wide strikeout rate was around, like, 23%, which is not abnormal. Um, uh so I don't know. Yeah, it, it's very hard to say. It's it's so there's so many guys and there's so uh, such small samples that I really yeah. can't say. I, I did 
And I was like watching him while I was like making dinner with the sound off. So correct. You can tell me if like, no, you, you were not watching the right stuff. <laughs> but I thought KK looked pretty decent in his last outing. Yeah. I think that he was obviously on a pitch count, but uh, he pitched pretty well mm-hmm. when, you know, before they, they took him out relatively early. But I thought he looked pretty good. And I I like the fact that Wainwright's doing that Wainwright thing where he's yeah he has like a uh, early on I think he has an ERA below two and an xFIP above four uh, you know so he's outperforming <laughs> love you it know, yeah outperforming the peripherals <laughs> uh, but you know he's been fun to watch uh, yeah I I I love uh, you know. My favorite Wainwright is obviously like 2013, 2014 Wainwright. But I, right. I do like this stage of Wainwright where he's just, uh, you know, Eddie Harris crafty style, Ed, you know, Adam Wainwright. Yeah. So that's been it's fun. fun. It's fun watching Adam Wainwright do two lineups what Kyle Hendricks normally does <laughs> in that it's not overpowering. It's not like he's doing anything. Now, again, not comparing what they actually throw and how they do just that he's not a guy that's going to come at you with, you know, just this really, really unhittable stuff all the time, but he's going to find ways to get you out. And half the time you're going to go, how is this working? (laughs) And then, you know, he'll throw that 12, six curveball and you'll go, Oh, cause he can still do that. So, yeah, it is fun to watch Adam Wainwright. I think uh, I do want to mention Max Schrock in one of those guys that's probably not going to stick around for very long once Paul DeYoung uh, comes back and everyone shifts over to their normal positions. But he's hit the ball pretty hard and looked pretty good in the field as well. He's a guy that I feel like was right on the the verge of being a top prospect that lost a step or two in the last couple of years and this year came back in feels like he's ready to prove something. So it was nice to see him get a couple of opportunities. And then Dylan Carlson is the man with the bases loaded, like every game. (laughs) I don't know when is going to be the time and you're a few pitches ahead of me. So I don't know, but there's a mound meeting happening right now, but eventually Carlson's going to get one too, right? (laughs) Uh, Well, (laughs) eventually. (laughs) <laughs> eventually uh what have you I, thought of carlson real quick just to you know tie up this whole new guys making an impact thing because he's looked very capable but he hasn't exactly been lighting the world on fire either he uh, i've seen him hit you know he's had some hard hit balls that, that i've seen um at least to the naked eye uh yeah that's like that is like at least the third time i've seen him bat with the bases loaded <laughs> yeah Maybe the fourth. How many times has he been? It was. I know his first at bat, they were loaded. Yeah, um, I want to say four, but it might just be three. Feels like a lot. <laughs> now, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think he hasn't like been striking out a ton, has he? No, again, I, he's hitting the ball hard, just early. right at somebody. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, Didn't hit that one hard. No, but, no. It's, it'll be a real shame <laughs> here if they don't score a run yeah. this inning. Um, yeah. Uh, a real big shame but uh yeah so we have fowler up now one out um bases lo- still loaded dylan carlson just grounded uh just hit a soft dribbler to back to the pitcher and they got the force at home um i don't not quite how you drew it up no I, and quite. i probably don't need to be giving play by play on a game that <laughs> is going to uh that no one's listening to this live so just gives uh, just give con gives yeah. context for where we are in the night yeah. um as far as carlson the, 
he's he's the the hot new prospect that everyone wants to talk about for the Cardinals. Uh, that's about all I have to say about this team and their stretch at the moment. But I do want to talk about another very young, very capable hitter who hit a, you know, just a grand slam on a 3-0 count the other day. Um, Fernando Tatis Jr. is lighting the world on fire every time he steps out onto the field. And uh, apparently that's a bad thing. I, I don't know. What do we make of this whole drama? I, I hate everything about it. I, I hate that it even happened. Uh, I, I when, So when I first heard about this, I thought it was like a joke. Um, because I sort of understand, even though I don't, I don't care, but I understand like, look, you don't need to be stealing a base when you're up nine or whatever. Um, but swinging the bat is so fundamental to what your job is when you're at the plate. Yeah. That it seemed like such a ridiculous thing. And what's funny is him swinging the bat probably gave, I mean, now it didn't turn out this way, but in terms of helping the pitcher, there's a very good chance that him swinging the bat helped the pitcher more than him waiting to get <laughs> walked and then, uh, you know, allowing a run to come in. Now yeah. he hit a grand slam, so it didn't, it didn't turn out that way. Um, <laughs> That said, it's ridiculous. Like, look, these guys are pros. Everyone knows baseball. Um, it's not like you can't run out of time. You know, you can have, you can still have a beginning. Were the Rangers going to come back? Of course not. But it's not. It's it's not the most unheard of thing in the world. Um, yeah. That said, I almost got more tired of the people pushing back against the stupid pushback. Just like now. <laughs> I should, it should be noted that like, ah, oh, darn it. All right. It should be, no, it should be noted that like there were actual legit people who were upset about this. It sounds like the uh, Rangers manager, Padres manager, Eric Hosmer possibly. So that actually does raise it to a level where it does need to be discussed. And cause this is not just randos on Twitter yelling about it. Th- these are people who matter, who are making us think about it. So when that happens, it does deserve some sort of response. Um, but man, I got so tired of hearing the response <laughs> after a while because, <laughs> and I, I heard someone else say this, it was so obvious who was right and who was wrong that it yeah. just seemed like after a while we were all just yelling at ourselves, yelling at <laughs> ourselves, even though we were all in agreement on what we were yelling about. Yeah. So that's my opinion. Um, it's it's all stupid. Like everyone does act like that baseball is the only sport that has these problems, and that's not necessarily true. Like football has certain unwritten rules. Um, I re- I'm a Bulls fan. I remember early in his career when uh, Thabo Cephalosha dunked one like right at the buzzer when the Bulls were up by 15, and it caused like a huge problem. It was like a huge <laughs> deal. Um, so baseball isn't the only sport that has these problems but they probably have it more than the others uh and if i could go the rest of my life without having to hear about the unwritten rules um from either side uh (laughs) i would be happy yeah it feels so much like you're you're only mad about it when you're on the bad end of it (laughs) which i guess is obvious but the the idea that, well, if he had just 
stood there and, and took a pitch or if he had, you know, not tried to run up the score or whatever it is. I mean, you made the basketball comparison. What if he had just, you know, taken the layup because it was open instead of going for the dunk or well, whatever? The is idea there is a difference? To, like not score at all. Right. And I understand. But it's it's just an it's a weird premise when you're like, you're already losing. <laughs> I'm not sure that this is really going to change anything. And I understand there's, there is a difference, you know, if you're playing some, uh, you know, little league team and there's a clear disadvantage and you are up by like 25 runs, whatever, you know, there's, there's obviously reasons that some of those concepts come into play, but at that level, under those circumstances, it just seems bizarre to ask a guy to not do what he's trained to do at the plate and you know I think maybe some of the the response from his own manager was in the evident ignoring of the instructions he was given (laughs) as opposed to the actual hitting of the grand slam and I I guess to some degree I, I get that sort of maybe like as the possible thing to be a little bit annoyed about but just in general yeah I think it's a lot of complaining about something that is solved if you just don't throw a bad pitch (laughs) and if you you know expect someone to it's kind of like the the whole bat flip thing versus a pitcher freaking out uh, on a big strikeout right like who gets to show emotion who gets to do what i I don't know they're just that's the the whole unwritten rule part of it is that there's no clear line as to when something is you know who it's okay for if he wasn't a rookie would it have been different if he wasn't you know whatever so I just there's so many variables that come into play and trying to make something like that be a problem that it just gets really annoying and it feels like it would have been far less of a problem entirely if nobody would have mentioned it (laughs) Well, one thing I will say, um, and, and I can't believe I'm even defending like this side, but nothing drives me more up the wall. You see this a lot with bat flips when someone hits a home run and bat flips and the pitcher stupidly gets upset about it. And then um, someone says, well, if you don't want him to bat flip, then don't give up a home run. Um, yeah, it's not a deliberate act. He's not giving up home run. <laughs> He's not trying to give up a home run. Uh, I heard someone say today, like, well, if, if uh, you don't want him to swing on a 3-0 and pitch, then don't get to 3-0. and Well, it, that's not really the way this works. He wasn't purposely saying, I'm going to try and put myself in a 3-0 and hole. I think that would be a good idea. Um, and then I hope he doesn't swing at that pitch and hit a home run. Uh, that's yeah. not the way sports work. I, like, I guess – I guess to me, I think the idea is don't be mad at me because I did my job and you didn't. Like if your job is to strike me out (laughs) um, and you didn't do that and my job is to hit the baseball and I did, don't be mad at me because I did my job and you didn't. Sure. Uh, And I, I think this is a better discussion with regard to the bat flip thing than it is with uh what happened last sure. night with the teeth. <laughs> yeah. But it's very it's a very normal reaction, I think, when you give up a home run. 
and a guy showboats. I think we've had this this, this exact discussion before, so we probably don't need to <laughs> go, go too deep into it. But it's a very natural reaction, I believe, if you're a competitive person and you're, as you put it, your job to get someone out and you don't do that and the person hits a home run, um, hurts your team, hurts your stats, possibly hurts your next contract, and then um, is excited about it, is understandably excited about it, flips his bat, understandably flips his bat. But, you know, let's be honest, it's kind of, I could see why someone would take that as rubbing it in. It's a very natural reaction in that moment to get angry. Yeah, I think there's a difference, though, in being mad that it happened and being mad at the person who took advantage of your mistake. Like, it's... A competition. It's a, that's how what they're supposed to do. I just I never understand. Like, be mad at yourself. Be mad at the situation. Even be annoyed that he bat flipped and celebrated. You know the the game changing home run, whatever. Um, but to to make it somehow that guy's problem is what I, I just am always a little bothered by because whether it's Tatis last night or a bat flip in the playoffs, like it's, I don't know how, because like you said, it's a natural reaction to be upset about that. It's also a natural reaction to want to celebrate it. So, okay. So so why is one reaction? Okay. And the other one isn't. No, no, you're, you're 100% correct. But we always say, but people always frame it the opposite way. Whenever that happens and someone gets upset, whenever someone does a bat flip and people are, you know, again, being annoying about it, people say like, come on, we want emotion in the game, which absolutely 100% we do. But you can't then say when someone shows emotion and it's emotion we don't quite like, or it's emotion that makes us feel uncomfortable. We can't then say, Oh, not that kind of, them. I didn't mean you could get upset. Like, yeah, well, you know, it's a, I, like we have to allow all of it. Exactly. And I w- want to clarify, I'm not saying that the pitcher shouldn't have any reaction. I'm just saying there's a difference in reacting in the moment and calling someone out afterwards for hitting a home run on a 3-0 count because you didn't do your job. Like it's I just feel like there's a difference in the emotion reacting to it as personally like hey this was terrible for me I don't feel good about it I'm very annoyed that it happened and I maybe don't like the reaction on the other side that's different than saying you know like mind your own business and play by the play by the unwritten rules and this shouldn't have happened and you need to apologize apologize for what well all right well, let me say if, if i am at work and i do my job poorly which happens a lot um and, and someone <laughs> is laughing at me or i would probably be pretty upset at that person sure secondly we can all agree that tatis thing last night was so stupid <laughs> yes uh, he did nothing wrong. Um, absolutely nothing wrong. I, I don't even know what to say about it. it. It it should never even... I think I was so annoyed about it because it seems so pointless that I didn't think it ever should have even gotten to the level that it did. That like yeah. We're honestly even talking about this. Like, why? This is so <laughs> obviously stupid. Yeah, and I think I think that that probably happened because his own manager kind of 
called him out maybe inadvertently and then backtracked <laughs> quite a bit later on in uh i guess some some sort of press conference on tuesday to discuss it because it was it had become such a big deal but that's how you know <laughs> it went too far when they had to schedule a an unplanned press conference <laughs> to discuss the fact that hitting a grand slam on a 3-0 count is actually okay and everyone needs to just calm down but I think that's part of what made it so bad is that it felt like his own team threw him under the bus instead of being like, well, he's the, he's just playing the game. That's Did he part do of it. something Move while on. rounding the bases or was there anything no. else to it? Or is it just him hitting a home run, hitting a grand it's slam? It's him hitting a grand slam. And oh uh, evidently he should have just taken a pitch. <laughs> and like I said, I think um, what is happening? Yeah, it's uh, not good. No. Totally lost what I was saying. Oh, like I said, uh, he had been given the take sign. He ignored it, swung away, hit a grand slam. So that was uh, how that all unfolded, I believe. And then they threw behind the next hitter just as, uh, you know, sending a message. And that's the part where I'm saying, like, I get the emotion about what happened. But to then turn that into, I'm going to throw behind this guy because the guy ahead of him hit a home run off me. Like, yeah. what, is, what is that? Yeah, Why that, does that need to happen? That, that's... Uh inexcusable makes them look really bad and they should feel bad also feeling bad right now the cardinals probably because of how this inning is going down and the cubs taking a two-run lead in the fourth with nobody out and jason hayward now standing on the fourth oh my god five innings only the fourth (laughs) can we just do seven innings all the time (laughs) no one no one kill me for that um but anyway, Tatis Jr., lighting it up, keep doing it. It's fun for everyone in baseball except people who are grumpy about <laughs> cool things. So <laughs> that's that. Hopefully Carlson will join the fun here uh, before too long and, you know, create some of his own fireworks and some conversation about him as well. Maybe even in this game because they're going to need it at this point. Um, Alex, that is all that I have as far as this current handful of days of baseball is there anything else that we need to cover before we move on i have nothing that means we are ready for the chirp of the week okay if you can focus better than i can while this inning is still happening uh, i will try <laughs> uh l- luckily on my end we're at a commercial so you should be there soon okay. because they're, right, they're cool. removing ponce leon after uh three and two-thirds um giving up he has given up two runs so, Cardinals are not in a good spot right now at Wrigley Field. Uh, and they uh, blew last night's game, uh, so it's not a good feeling. So, I thought we would uh, try and restore their dignity a little bit. And um, this is kind of a copy of a trivia week I did a couple of weeks ago looking at Pujols' um, three uh, home run games at Wrigley. Mm-hmm. Um, well, last night, uh, noted Cubs killer Brad Miller hit two home runs um, in in a losing effort, which is unfortunate, but he had two home runs at Wrigley Field um, against the Cubs. And even though the Cardinals were the home team, I think we can still say that was a game at Wrigley Field. It was physically at Wrigley Field. There was no (laughs) argument that it was not at Wrigley Field, right? Um, Oh, did you notice they, they were still, to my, at least to what I could understand, they were still playing like crowd noise for like when the Cubs did something good. Yes. You can't do it that. It was very Not weird. Fair. Like the only thing that was different was who hit first. Yeah, yeah that's right. Because <laughs> the uniforms it. weren't. Yeah. Yeah. They, okay. 
The Cardinals weren't in their home uniforms or anything like that. Anyway, so Brad Miller hit two home runs last night at Wrigley against the Cubs. And I wanted to look up how many times a Cardinal has had a multi-home run game at Wrigley. And the answer is 37 times. That's the 37th time a Cardinal has hit more than home more than one home run in a game at Wrigley. Uh, the most recent one, of course, was last night. Uh, the first one was on April 28th, 1922, when Rogers Hornsby uh, hit two home runs nice. at Wrigley. Um, and some other notable names on this list, there's uh, several people with uh, a couple, like Ryan Ludwig did it twice in 2009, <laughs> and he's the only Cardinal to, ha- to do it twice in one year. Um, wow. Albert Pujols is on this list twice, but what's cool about Albert Pujols is he's never hit just two home runs at Wrigley Field. He's only hit three home runs at Wrigley Field. <laughs> of course. Uh, Why not? Yeah, per my trip of the week uh, a couple weeks ago. You see Ray Lankford's name here a couple times. Um, Stan Musial uh, leads the Cardinals, as you would expect. He's the player who's done it the most. He did it uh, three times. Uh, he did it on uh, nineteen. He did it on April twentieth, nineteen fifty-eight. He did it on May 25th, 1953, and October 2nd, 1949. Um, another fun name on this list, where is it? I saw, yes, on, nine, on September 26th, 1967, Lou Brock hit two home runs at Wrigley uh, and had four hits total, uh, which is just kind of pouring salt in the wounds, right, at that point with the whole mm-hmm. Brock uh, Rolio <laughs> trade. I feel like... Uh, yeah, at that point, man, if you're at Wrigley that that evening watching that, you're thinking, how did we let this guy go? Um, that was a bad trade. And now <laughs> a not a guy who's noted for his home runs, although Lou Brock had more power than I bet most people realize. Um, but he still, he wasn't known as a home run hitter. He's in their house hitting um, home runs all over the ballpark. So, so that's a very fun thing. Um, the last thing I will say... Um, and I think I've talked about this on a trip of the week before as well. I was, I believe, at a game where Albert Pujols hit two home runs at Wrigley, but the game was called in like the third inning when it was ten to nine because the when the score was ten to nine because the weather was so bad, um, and the <laughs> game ended up being canceled and didn't count. So there you go. That is your trip of the week. 37 different times a Cardinal has hit more than one home run at Wrigley Field um, with our Brad Miller being the most recent player to join that club. Before him was Matt Carpenter, the game you were at. Yes, indeed. Um, And probably one of the, I don't know, I shouldn't say least likely because Brad Miller can hit home runs. We know that, but we just hadn't really seen it and he hadn't really been playing. So to him, to have him come out and be, like I said, kind of become a, an instant folk hero as it relates to that Cubs Cardinals rivalry. Although, you know, they didn't help him out in actually winning um, both of those games of the doubleheader, but nonetheless, had a big day and uh, he's going to be in, in the history books for it along with the likes of Stan Musial and Albert Pujols and Matt Carpenter, except Albert, you know, he has to do things in threes, but nonetheless, (laughs) there you go. There's your trip of the week. The Cardinals are trying to figure out how to stay in this game. It's only the fourth inning. And I feel like 
Uh, it's going to take forever, but I, nonetheless. I don't, I don't think I'm going to stay up. <laughs> I feel like you would be up for quite a while if you decided to try to do that. So hopefully you wake up to a comeback win in the morning. That'd be nice. And hopefully Seth Elledge does what he did the other day and continues to impress. And then we figure out what to do with all these new pitchers as the other guys start to come back. So we'll talk more about that next week as we see what unfolds in the next seven days for the Cardinals. Don't forget you can follow Birds on the Black on Twitter or on Instagram or on just the internet (laughs) and you can keep track of everything that's going on there and we will talk to you again next week. So for Alex, I'm Tara. Good night.